Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. I do not understand this football name in America. How how many of kicks is there in the football game? Six kicks? I'm going to say it once and hopefully I'm wrong, but it's a disaster waiting to happen. I love all of those things with the piggy skin and the men running around. So much screams and then a toss and then everyone is in a large, large hill. A star is born in the NFL. I like the moxie, but I, more importantly, I like the poise and the noise. Oh, what are you doing? You gotta be paping me. It's Jonathan Elway. He was so sassy and cool. And hey, guys, I'm a cowboy. Bang, bang, sling, sling, toss, toss. I'm going to lose all the time. And then I win and then he leaves as he wins. You cannot beat this. From Munich, Germany, the Broncos and Bratwurst podcast with Kevin Gilligan. Yes, I'm Kevin Gilligan, born and raised in Denver, Colorado, lifelong Broncos fan. I recently moved to Munich, Germany, but as they say, distance makes the heart grow fonder, and so I still love them and love talking about them, even though it's from across the pond. What is up, Denver Broncos fans? Thanks for listening. Yes, I am podcasting from just outside Germany. A uh, nice sunny day here in Munich. What I'm I I am recording this at about what is it now? 2 p.m. Munich time, which I think is around maybe 7 a.m. in Denver. So everyone is still asleep while I'm recording this. Um, Later in the show, we have the Skipper Dude on, as always. He actually pre-recorded his as well, so he recorded a bit before the initial, uh, I guess you could say, tampering period, the signing period kind of began. Uh, But so, a very good segment coming up later from Skipper Dude about more of the, I don't know, the philosophy or psychology behind free agency and comparing a lot of the Broncos situation in their free agency compared to the Colorado Rockies and baseball free agency. It's a really good segment as always. And I highly recommend that you stick around for that. We also finally have a fan rant. That's not from one of my buddies. Um, boy, now I already, I already forgot his name. A uh, guy over from Canada, Dave Ellis, Dave Ellis. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at, at J K U Dave. So a big thanks to Dave Ellis. He uh, submitted a fan rant, as we like to call it here, and I will play that at the end of the show. Anyone else interested in being part of the Broncos and Broadwurst podcast, I'd be glad to have you. There's only two rules. You had to send me a recording between one and 10 minutes, and it has to be clean. There can be no language or anything that's not suitable for all audiences because this is 
a clean show here for Broncos and Broadwurst podcast. Otherwise, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kevy Gillikin or email it to me at Kevin Gillikin USA at gmail.com. So I'd love to hear from more of you. You can tell me your stories. Um, I know that Dave's got a story about uh, betting $10 million on a Kyle Orton led Broncos team. Uh, very interesting. I'll let you listen to the end of the show and see just how that turned out. But yes, please submit your own personal stories or what you think of the Broncos offseason, free agency, uh, the draft, whatever you want to talk about. Obviously, the big news today is the free agency period. The Broncos were they they were quiet for the first couple hours of, of the tampering period yesterday and then made two pretty big splashes towards the end of the day. Uh, Broncos fans were all kind of panicking uh, through most of the afternoon because they they really thought the Broncos were going to stay in pat. And honestly, I I mean, I didn't like it because, I mean, of course I want them to do something, for one, so I'll have something to talk about, and also mainly because I want the Broncos to improve the team and to make them as good as possible. But when you see the crazy, crazy, crazy money that was being spent yesterday on guys that are just not very good, um, I'm, I was glad that the Broncos weren't, you know, jumping in on this and panicking and spending on guys who, who at least to this point, haven't really proved that they're worth it. Um, they went out of course and signed Kareem Jackson, the former Houston cornerback, a, I think he's 31 or 32 years old. So he's an older guy. He can also play safety. Uh, I think it's 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 likely that he's a guy who will be brought in to you know be kind of that hybrid guy who will guard um, the tight end. Uh, I think he he's he's a big hitter. He's kind of a thumper. He's not quite as fast as he used to be. So he'll he'll be a guy who will more likely line up you know either at safety or, or perhaps you know on you know in in nickel formations or or whatnot. Now what else they do at cornerback? I don't know. Oh, and, and Jackson by the way is getting he's got a 3-year deal for 33 million. Um and so he's getting fairly average money. I I decent money. Um and I think I think that's a good deal. He was a guy that I've liked really since the start or way before free agency, I should say. And He's a thumper. He's a guy who who hits hard, plays hard. He's he's solid, you know, in coverage. He was on Pro Football Focus, I believe, the fifth ranked cornerback in 2018. I've also seen other rankings of him that were rank him more around 10 or 15. So, I mean, these rankings are, I mean, you know, take take them as you will. Uh, either way, at least the eye test shows him as being a a really nice addition at least in in the backfield in one form or another. Now, it doesn't mean that Broncos are are good or secure in their cornerback, you know, in, in the cornerback position. I think they still need a lot there. Now, if that comes in free agency or if it comes in the draft, we'll still see. I know Bryce Callahan from Chicago is still uh, rumored to not be going back to Chicago, and he obviously has, you know, some connections to Denver and Vic Fangio. And that is definitely something that could happen here in the next few days. The Bryce Callahan, one of the top free agent cornerbacks, still comes to Denver. Now, Denver doesn't have a ton of money left. And if they go and spend money on on um, Paradis, who who is another guy who who everyone thought was gone, he, he had traveled to New York to meet with the Jets and Buffalo, and apparently they didn't. I don't. They didn't sign a deal. At least I mean, he he had uh, interviews with both and the. The Bills went out and signed Mitch Morse from who, who was formerly with Kansas City, and so that leaves maybe the Jets. But the Broncos are rumored to be again talking with Matt Paradis. So if they re-sign Paradis, I don't know if they have any money left for for any free agents. So if Paradis is your number is your number one get here uh, after these other two guys, then you're not going to have much left for anybody else, particularly because they spent a huge chunk of money on a tackle position. They went out and got Jawan James, who was previously with Miami. They signed him to four year, 52 million and 32 guaranteed 32 million guaranteed um, huge contract. I mean, he, he is in essence now the top paid right tackle in all of football. Um, I, I mean, you know, these linemen, honestly, I I don't watch a lot of their tape. I don't really, I'm not a pro in being able to evaluate these guys, but I know he's a guy who 
maybe he was the number two free agent tackle, but you know he's he's got some injury issues in the past. He's not been a great line lineman his entire career. He's he's a big dude. He had a good 2018. Elway was rumored to have wanted him uh, last season or in 2017, the off season. Um, so yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I don't love it. I think I think they overspent. I think they they overspent on a position that they really think they needed or a guy they really wanted. And it's it's what a lot of other teams did. I mean, Nick Foles, for goodness sake, he went into free agency and was swiped up by Jacksonville. He signed four years, eighty eight million, fifty million guaranteed. Nick Foles is going to be making, I think, something about twenty three million a year for a guy who, I mean, he he's had some great playoff runs and and he won a Super Bowl, but his regular season numbers are anything but nice to look at. And to pay, you know decent starter money to a guy who there was no other competition trying to get him I don't really get it and, and you see this fairly often I, I just heard a report I was listening to uh, Cecil Lammy over at 104.3 the fan they're they're up early this morning and and he was saying that, that the Colts I believe signed Devin Funchess for some something like what was the number I think it was like 13 or, or 15 million a year Devin Funchess I mean so he's going to get you know really good money and I mean, Funches. I I think I had Funches on my fantasy team two years ago, or even last year, and he was hot garbage. And I think he's been pretty much garbage his entire career. I mean, he he's maybe he's an okay receiver, but to get that kind of money is insane. Quan Alexander coming up from Tampa Bay went you know and was signed by um by San Francisco, and they they now pay him. He is the highest paid inside inside linebacker in all of football. Quan Alexander, who has a hundred tackles in only one season in, in his in his I think five year career, and he was injured the entire season last year. I mean that that's a big risk. I, I, and you're bringing in a guy who who was hurt. I think he I think he tore his MCL or ACL. I mean big time injury. So he's coming off an injury. He's not that great at tackling. He, he I think he had one of the most missed tackle percentages in the league of any player. And yet he is now the highest paid inside linebacker. And you see, again, there's some weird, you know, desperate feeling in this year's free agency. The teams feel like, oh, they have to go and and spend just crazy money on one or two guys. So I think the good news about that is is that once the the air clears and the dust settles, you're going to have a lot of these guys, a lot of these teams will have no money left. And so you'll have the option to maybe go and, you know, pick up some of the other the other guys that the teams weren't able to sign but the problem is obviously that the Broncos are one of the teams that went and spent a ton of money so unless they find some way to finagle their salary cap and their cap space maybe it's I I don't know what they can do honestly there's not a whole lot of moves they can make I think at this point but if somehow they can figure something out maybe upload uh maybe load some of the contracts you know up in the front like I think the Patriots do all the time in other teams as well. If they do that, maybe they'll they'll make a little more room. But if they go and sign my Matt Parodies, I mean, you're pretty much done. And that's a bit of a bummer. I, I think this team still has a lot of needs. I mean, obviously, you know, tight end, um, you know, guard, uh, defensive tackle, defensive end, edge rush. I mean, they, they lost a lot of depth. And, you know, if you go spend all your money on two guys, especially one tackle, I don't know. I, I mean, I think, in my opinion, that's why you bring in a coach like Munchak, who can bring it, who can coach up, you know, cheaper guys on the line and make them good enough or good, rather than going and spending just a crap ton of money on on one tackle, especially a right tackle. Now, I understand that the right tackle position has been really bad for the last seasons, even though Veld here was eh, okay last year, but I mean, it hasn't been good for sure. But you go out and spend all this this huge chunk of money on on one guy, and I think that's just questionable it's it's questionable and I don't think it usually works and you see that like in Dallas Dallas spent all this money on the offensive line and sure they had some some good games some good years but it didn't really work they never made it deep into the playoffs or or to the playoffs at all several several years so you know the idea of of big money on one or two players you've got to be really really careful who that money is going to and to put it on a guy Jawan James who is he's definitely not a guarantee 
I mean, I mean, there are very few guys on the offensive line who are guarantees. Honestly, the one guy who probably was a guarantee is Matt Paradis, and yet you went and signed Juwan James to a humongous contract, and now may miss out on a almost sure thing at center for you know because you went and spent all this money on a tackle who is questionable. And I don't love that. I, and I think it's it's not a great move by Alloway. I mean, we'll see. I mean, of course we'll see. It's it's always about you know the, these these moves. Usually we don't know what's actually going to how it's going to turn out for the next year or two or three. But as of now, I don't love it. I like Kareem Jackson. I think he's a decent price for a for a good player. I think that was a good move. I think that was a move that I had wanted them to do for a long time. But I do not like Juwan James. Um, I, I, I don't know. What, what do they do now? What, what do they do? Uh, unless they clear more money, maybe you go and make a couple, you know, lesser signings. You sign a couple guys for, for, you know, I don't know, $4 million a year each. Maybe you go and get, I've heard rumors about maybe KJ Wright, the former Seahawks middle linebacker, a uh, guy who's been injured lately. He had a really good beginning of his career. I mean, he had a big game in that, in the Super Bowl, the Broncos played in Seattle against Seattle. Um, and you know maybe you find you you're going to have to sign some lower tier guys or you go and spend it all on parodies. I I don't know. We'll, we'll see. It's it's been a very fascinating free agency and just 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 crazy money, crazy money being spent. And and it's it, it'll make the next few days even that more much more interesting because these players have set uh, they've set the the line. I mean, they've set the line of what teams are going to have to expect to pay for guys. I mean, you you have mediocre players like Quan Alexander getting paid top top money as linebackers and then cj mosley of course is going to get a bigger contract which actually i think i just saw something that he did i, I think i saw that that uh mosley signed with the jets that there's so much news going on it's hard to keep up with it all uh especially since i was i was at work this morning um and so mosley probably he's probably the highest paid uh linebacker now i think actually if i remember right i saw that he's getting something like 17 million a year at linebacker at linebacker I saw a comparison with him and Ray Lewis, uh, I think in his prime in 2002, who is, you know, obviously one of the best middle linebackers of all time. He, at his at his peak of his career, got $7 million a year. And now C.J. Mosley, who is good, but I don't think he's Ray Lewis good, uh, is getting $17 million a year. Look at that in respect to Case Keenum, who was the Denver Broncos starting quarterback last year, was making just over $18 million a year. And a linebacker, a middle linebacker, is getting just a million and a half or so less money than a starting quarterback. Absolutely nuts. Well, up next, we're going to talk a little bit more, obviously, of free agency and what now we can expect for the Denver Broncos and the 2019 draft. After this break. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Kevin is Yes, I'm hot, and I'll tell you exactly why I'm hot. This is a different sport. I get it. But let's talk a little bit about Russell Westbrook and what happened the other night in Utah. He had some confrontation with a fan, and the fan was saying something that Russell Westbrook didn't like, and he was heckling Russell Westbrook. And and Westbrook, as he often does, is jabbering back with the fans and, and doesn't like it and doesn't enjoy it and is a whiny, crying little baby. But that's that's whatever. I don't even care. If he wants to be a little baby, he can be a little baby and and enjoy being you know the, the eternal fourth seed in the West, and he'll never win anything. But we'll talk about that a little bit later. First of all, whatever. I don't care if you're going to heckle with a fan. I don't even care if you're going to cuss out a fan, but the problem gets to be when he cusses out the fan, 
and the fan's wife. And he's saying, hey, you know, I want to come and I want to come and, and, and bleep you up and I'm going to bleep up your wife. I mean, how does this guy get away with this? I've seen players, I've seen people on Twitter defending Russell Westbrook for this, defending what he said. I get it. Okay, maybe the fans stepped out of line. Maybe they said something they shouldn't have. Um, okay, whatever. I mean, that that's life. That's what happens. That's part of why you get paid $20, 30000000 million a year. The fans pay your salary because they go and watch you play, and they earn the right to heckle the opposing players. That's just how it works, and you got to deal with that. And it seems like every other player in the league, except for Russell Westbrook, can deal with it. I mean, how often does anything happen where someone else talks back to the fans? It's pretty rare. In 90% of the time, it's this whiny little girl i shouldn't even say that that's a that's an insult to girls i'm sorry about that he's a whiny little man who can't handle his emotions and to go and say he's gonna beat up my wife if i was this dude i would charge the court and tackle them i don't even care if i'm getting thrown in prison i don't even care if i'm going to jail i mean you don't say things like that to a woman especially not to my wife absolutely absurd and just because this guy gets paid millions just because he's famous just because he's some high and mighty athlete he gets away with it insane it's insane and you know what guys like russell westbrook are exactly what's wrong with the sports world they're exactly the people the the players that are all about me they're these selfish egocentric pieces of dung that never win you, you know what happened to russell westbrook in oklahoma city his teammates left both of his his teammates left that would they could have won championships with him now is it just a coincidence was it money yeah okay yeah maybe sure but you know what they left they don't play with him and you know what Durant has won a championship. Harden is much closer to winning a championship than Russell Westbrook in, in, in Oklahoma City. And it's a perfect example of guys who are not winners. They're not, they're not about the team. They're about me. They're about scoring. They're about my triple-double. And this is exactly what the Broncos should steer away from. They want guys who should be about the team. They should be guys who, who are in it to, to win it. That They're going to put their heart and soul on the field for the team. It's not about me. It's not about my stats. It's not about Antonio Brown, Mr. Big Chest, Mr. Cool. You really think that's going to help Oakland? I'm, I think he's a perfect fit in Oakland because he's a he's a you know this this guy who thinks he's he's this legit you know star. And sure, he's great on the field, but you know he just gave up a chance to ever win in Pittsburgh after already putting up insane stats because you know what? he was a little baby. He was a little baby, and I'm so sick of these babies in sports. Grow up. Get over it. If you don't, if you can't handle the, the environment, then go go work as a as a as a coder or something. For goodness' sake, unbelievable. Makes me sick. You know, before I did that particular "I'm Hot" segment, um, I had in mind to do one about all these guys crying all over sports. Now, I'm not necessarily saying it's a terrible thing, and it's kind of why I backed off from doing it and did stupid little Westbrook instead. Is because, I mean, okay, I get it that showing your emotions isn't always a bad thing, but it just seems kind of weird that we see guys crying all the time. I mean, like, you see guys at the combine, and they ran a, I forget who it was, one of the linebackers ran a 4 4, four 40 or something like that, which is great, I mean, for a linebacker. And then he just like burst into tears. Now, I don't really know the backstory of that, but he wasn't the only one to do it. It seems like these guys were bursting into tears all the time. And I mean, maybe that's just become normal. But for me, I honestly kind of miss the days of of like, you know, the Orange Crush, like, you know, Tom Jackson or Lyle Alzado or someone. I mean, can you imagine seeing one of these guys bursting into tears? Now, I wasn't there, so maybe they did. I mean, please tell me if I'm wrong. But I just imagine that if you were even ever allowed to see Lyle Alzado crying, like one tear strolls down his cheek and then he'd break both your eye sockets and make sure you never tell anybody about it. So I don't know. I mean, anyway, it's not like it's a big deal or anything, but it just strikes me as being something that's definitely changed in the culture of sports and especially in the culture of the NFL in recent years. Um, anyway, I guess back to, <coughs> excuse me, back to the real talk of the NFL as we discussed already with the free agency and again interesting free agency but nothing super spectacular I mean it's not something that really get people excited I, I think Kareem Jackson is again is a really really good signing he is one of the top tacklers 
at the cornerback position in all of football, and that's exactly what Vic Fangio wants. And and that's it's part of why I liked Fangio from the start, and I really like him more and more because he's exactly he seems to want exactly in a player what I want in a player, and that's of course what makes us happy with someone, right? If they if they you know do something you know equal with with what we find important, and so I like him because he seems to want guys who are tough, guys who don't take plays off, guys who tackle. And this is exactly why they went after Kareem Jackson and not Bradley Roby. I think even if Bradley Roby comes in at the same price as Kareem Jackson, Jackson, I don't think they sign him. I, I think Roby is a very talented player, but there were just plays you you just could see that he didn't he didn't give it a hundred percent. I mean, I'm not going to say he took off a play. I mean, that's a little harsh, but he definitely didn't give it his all. I think, I don't think anyone could deny that. I don't don't think anyone really refutes that. I think he was a guy who, you know, he, he made great plays. He was a big part of the 2015 Super Bowl, and, and I will always appreciate and love him for that. And I'm sure many and all Broncos fans will, but he was a really, really streaky player. A guy who just, you're never really sure what you're going to get. And I think the Broncos have had quite a few of those, and especially on the offensive line. And so I've heard that Juwan James is at least a guy who's known for being tough, a guy who's known for being, you know, a, a nasty dude, a dude who's going to, you know, not, you know, not take plays off. And I think I think it's the same with Garrett Bowles. I think that was the idea with Bowles is that, yeah, he's raw. He's, he's maybe not the smartest guy in the world, but he's a nasty SOB. And I like that. And I think you do have to find some balance with these guys who are nasty SOBs on the field and then that they are decent people in the locker room. And yeah, I got a little bit of a mockery when I said that last week that that you need to have some bit of morality in the locker room. And 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 Skipper dude's going to talk about this in the next segment as well. But I think it's really true. And again, these don't these guys don't have to be boy scouts. They don't have to, you know, follow all of my particular you know, personal moral standards, but they have to be at least guys that are going to put the team first. They're not, they're not going to go and, 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 you know, get drunk. They're not going to crash their car, roll their car because they were drinking. They're not going to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on, on strippers, et cetera. I mean, I think that that's not the guy you want. And that's not a winning mentality. Why, Why does new England always win? Why are they always the team year in and year out? Part of it is because of the culture they set. They set a culture and they say, this is how things are run. And if you're going to be here, this is how you're going to be, period. And it works every year. They're always in it. I mean, I mean, what's, what, what are they? They've, they've won, they've gone to seven out of nine Super Bowls or something, right? I mean, so whatever New England is doing, people should be trying to emulate that, period. I mean, they do it, they, they win every year, no matter what. And yes, of course, it's part of their coach, part Tom Brady, but a lot of it's the culture. A lot of it is, Players go there and they know what to expect. They know what the coach wants from them. He he communicates with them and he's strict. He's like a parent who who's who's strict and who tells their kids exactly what they can or can't do. And and, and this is a microcosm of society. Society in general. So many parents think that you know. Oh, I don't want my kid not to like me, and and I want to just I want them to enjoy things, and I don't ever want to set rules or be angry with them or or, or etc. Now, of course, you know, there's a line. You shouldn't you shouldn't whip your kids. You shouldn't be too strict. You shouldn't be too harsh. But you have to set rules. Kids like rules. It's the same with players. They people like knowing what they can and can't do. Otherwise, they they push limits and, and they're not sure of themselves. They're not sure, hey, if I do this, will I get away with it? If you if you know exactly what's allowed in a locker room, then you're happier from it. It's just the case. It's the same with kids. Kids want rules. Kids want structure. They want to be guided through life. They want to be guided and told what to do. And yes, it's more so with kids, but it's the same in the world. You want a structure. You want a, that comfort of knowing what's going to happen. Because if not, if not, you become locker rooms like the Denver Broncos over the last few years, and you have a lack of accountability, a lack of, of respect, a lack of, of good culture. And so you bring in all these guys. For goodness sake, you bring in Pac-Man Jones, who is one of the most loony, out there, you know, crazy dudes maybe ever to play in the NFL. <coughs> and of course he doesn't work out. And then he gets arrested, what, two times in a year. I mean, this is just how these things work. It's common sense. And the fact that for some reason, these talent evaluators only look at the on-the-field stuff. They only look at the 
raw ability of these players and so often they miss the the integrity of the players the the willingness to to die for their for their teammates to die for the game and this is where the greats come from this is tom brady tom brady was a sixth round pick as everyone in the world knows maybe not even the most talented qb ever and he i mean obviously he is very talented of course he is or he wouldn't be here but a lot of that came from the desire to be the greatest the desire to put everything else behind and to be the best player he could be. Now, that sounds like, yeah, of course, everyone does that. No, they don't. Not everyone does. For goodness sake, look at Paxton Lynch. Who Who is more physically gifted, Paxton Lynch or Tom Brady? Uh, Paxton Lynch, right? Uh, who, who's disagreeing with me? Tom Brady runs like at 6.840 or something. I mean, he, there are icebergs that run slower than Tom Brady or faster than Tom Brady, excuse me, and slower too probably. I mean, his, his arm is decent. He's, he's extremely good at post-snap reads. I mean, again, he's a great quarterback. Don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not saying he's not, but but he's not the most physically gifted guy. I mean, and you look at guys like, I don't know, Jamarcus Russell, Paxton Lynch. They're, they're, they're gifted physically, but not mentally, not, not in their hearts and souls. And, and it sounds crazy, and people are probably rolling their eyes right now, but... but there are so many endless examples of how you have to have character on your team. Now, again, I'm not saying you have to go and get a bunch of Bible thumpers, though, hey, maybe that would work, but you've got to bring in guys of high motor and high integrity. And I believe they've done that with Jackson, and it sounds like they've done that with James. And I think they've learned that. I think they've learned that with always, you know, Years and years of poor selections and poor draft picks. I did a segment or a um, an article from Mile High Report a couple months ago about that. About uh, it's titled "Elway Loves Losers," so you can search that on MileHighReport.com. And it's about how he has picked in the first couple rounds a bunch of guys who who have pan- have not turned out well and who in one way or another, either were before or have turned out to be kind of airheads and turned out to be kind of idiots and guys who didn't give it their all. Shane Ray. I mean, Shane Ray dropped to the to, to the you know twenty. I think was it twenty first, twenty second pick because of his you know the marijuana issues. He had a pound of marijuana in a backpack, whatever it was, and there were character issues. And you know what? He's a guy who never played to his ability ever, and that's why he's gone. Bradley Roby, fairly similar case. Yeah, I mean, he was decent. He was a pretty good. He was a good third cornerback, but. For how high they drafted him, he didn't really pan out. And there, there, there are other examples as well. Again, go check out the article. And, and and I cannot stress my belief in that enough. And I do believe Elway has figured that out. And that's why I am more on the Elway bandwagon than most. Yes, Elway is a flawed GM. Yes, it was not just Elway who who helped bring the team to a Super Bowl in 2015. Peyton Manning was a big part of it. But he wasn't all of it. You, you can't have it both ways. Peyton was a huge part. Elway was a huge part. Elway's had great years. He's had great free agent signings. He's had bad ones. He's had good drafts. He's had bad drafts. He's not perfect. He makes a lot of mistakes. He's been terrible at QB evaluation in the draft. But he's not the only one. How many other teams are bad at, at drafting QBs? I mean, it's it's countless. I mean, the, the, I mean, more than half of the teams can't evaluate quarterbacks properly. It's It's an almost impossible thing to do. A lot of it's just pure luck. It's just luck in finding a guy who can who can succeed in the, in college and then bring that same skill to a much faster league in the NFL, an unbelievably faster league. And you can't always evaluate that from college tape, and you can't really find it out until they play. And this happens all all the time. I and mean, this is half the guys who get drafted every year or more. How many great quarterbacks are there in the league right now? And how many of them are are under thirty five? Maybe four or five. So we got to give Elway a little bit of a break that, yeah, he hasn't been good, but most other teams haven't either. So I like what he's doing. I like that he's going out and getting character guys. I mean, Philip Lindsay, yeah, they didn't draft him, but they found him. He's a good, he seems like a great character guy. Cortland Sutton, I I preach week in and week out how much I like him and how I like his, his hustle and his, is it, it seems like how smart he is on the field and off the field. And other guys as well. And I think that will eventually really pan out well. And I think 
if the Broncos are in a semi-rebuild, I like the way they're going. I don't love the Juwan James signing. We'll see where that goes. I think it's just too much money for a tackle, in my opinion. I don't think you need a that expensive a tackle for, for a Mike Munchak system. But we'll give Elway the benefit of the doubt because we we don't know. If Juwan James becomes the solidified right tackle for the next four years alongside Garrett Bowles, and they're both really good and really well coached, and they, they set the tone for the entire offense, then yeah, of course. I mean, if Joe Flacco has time, he has the talent. Now, I don't love him either, but he, he does have the arm. He's he's won it before, so it makes sense. It makes sense. Protect the guy. Give him the best chance to win. Now, they also desperately need a tight end. I mean, I'll be really curious to see what they do about that. They, they need guys around him who can catch the darn ball. Now, that's a whole different story. We'll see in the draft and in, in the further free agency to see what they do. But obviously, this team still has a lot of holes. And that's okay. I mean, there's still plenty of time to fill the holes. There's there's the draft, and again, there's there's plenty of time in free agency. And I think I I do like where they're going. I like the way they're headed. I don't love Flacco, and I've said that from the beginning. My two ways of forming a team that will win is either with a cheap young quarterback, just like in in L.A., like they did with Russell Wilson for years in Seattle, uh, like they are doing in in Houston with with Deshaun Watson. Or you have to have a Hall of Fame quarterback. Now, obviously, that's easier said than done. Though, though, okay, I'm kind of going off track here. I guess I've been kind of off track this entire segment. But the there was a rumor somewhere, and I don't know if this is a if it, this is a verified source or anything, but a rumor that the Broncos would be very interested if Aaron Rodgers ever became available by trade. Now, that sounds absolutely insane, but the fact that Rodgers really is kind of in the end of his career or towards the end of his career and has not had great success in, in, in green Bay and isn't all that friendly with, you know, okay. It's a new coaching staff. I supposed, I mean, I think it's a younger coach than, than a guy who's like at the same age as, as, as uh, Rogers. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's a very, very out there idea, but that would be another way to win. Absolutely. I mean, if you can, I mean, somehow get Aaron Rodgers, you do it. Period. Period. End of story. I don't care who you trade. I don't care if it's, I don't care if it's Von Miller, Lindsay, and a first round pick. Because again, that's how you, that's, that's just the way to win. Now, yeah, the Packers only won one Super Bowl with them too, but you, you had, they had a better chance every year. The Broncos had a much better chance with Peyton Manning. If you if you trade for Rodgers, then you have a better chance of getting in free agents, which for some reason the Packers just never did. I, I don't. I never really understand what the Packers were thinking with Aaron Rodgers. They just continually surrounded him with garbage or tried to develop draft picks that never really panned out. Now, Elway was really really great at surrounding Peyton Manning with really great players. And so I know everyone's always, I mean, so many of these guys who just bash on Elway are like, oh yeah, well, you know, it was all Peyton Manning. Okay. Okay. But Elway brought them in. I mean, you can't just give it to Peyton Manning. I mean, Elway had to sign the deal. He had to make the contract, whatever. I mean, you have to give him some credit. And so he was really good at that. When he had an all-time great quarterback, he put together an all-time great team, both on offense and on defense. So if you can go and get Aaron Rodgers, it could happen again. So Sign me up. If that's going to happen, I don't even care who you got to trade. I mean, I love Von Miller, but bye-bye Von Miller if it means Aaron Rodgers. And I imagine most people would agree. Elway, if he really wants to win in the next three years before his contract is up, and that's why he brought in an elderly head coach who's a win-now guy, not a rebuild guy, then yeah, sure. You, you get any chance you can at getting a Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame quarterback. Again, is this going to happen? I highly, highly, highly doubt it. But we'll see how the draft pans out. Maybe... Somehow Green Bay ends up with a quarterback they love, and maybe they decide to trade Aaron Rodgers for Von Miller in a first-round pick. Crazier things could happen. They really could. Now, <laughs> we'll see. Peyton May or Aaron Rodgers of the Denver Broncos. I, I could, I could uh, buy into that. There's no doubt about that. Okay, uh, enough of my rambling. Um, I will probably have another segment coming up after the skipper dude, and then we'll send it to Dave from Ontario for the fan rant. Finally, someone doing a fan rant. Thank you so much, Dave. Glad to have you part of the show. He will finish things off at the end of this podcast, but up next, the skipper dude with a little more philosophy, psychology, a little more of the in-depth idea of free agency and what the Broncos should do in this 2019 offseason. After this. 
Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Thanks, as always, for having me on, Kevin. I am the Skipper Dude, proud Broncos fan since 1984. So today, with the free agency period officially kicking off this Wednesday, I thought I'd take a look at free agency at a more human level and discuss where I believe the Broncos are headed in the overall free agent talent and, and locker room culture landscape. Because it's pertinent to the discussion today. It was March 14, 2013, the third day of NFL free agency. I happened to be flying home to Western Colorado that day, and as I'm sitting through the security line at the airport, I heard a little stir behind me. I turned around, didn't see anything, but as I'm getting my ID checked at the security podium right next to me is no other than Peyton Manning. Now, the Broncos had just been through probably the most prolific free agent period in team history, having landed names like Luis Vasquez, Terrence Knighton, Dominique Rogers Cromartie, and of course, the crown jewel of that 2013 class, Wes Welker, over the first two days of the first uh, free agent signing period. And as I'm standing waiting for my carry-on to come through screening, Peyton walks up right next to me. I couldn't stand myself. I had to say something. So, so I said, man, Elway just nailed it, didn't he? And Peyton replied, yeah, uh-huh. And across the way, a TSA agent yells out, hey, how about that Wes Welker pickup? And to which Peyton replied, yeah, uh-huh. Okay, I got it. He, he was not at the airport to engage in conversation with some schlub fan. So I shut up, and he walked with a little entourage of two other guys to his gate and just kind of, you know, stared out the window, not really wanting to be seen by other fans. No worries. And my brief little brush with fame was over. But but those the couple of days in March 2013 had helped to change the Broncos. Headed in, they were a team with a very good offense and an improving defense anchored by the immensely talented but still very immature Von Miller. That 2013 free agency class put the Broncos over the top from a talent perspective, especially on offense, and solidified them as Super Bowl contenders, if not even the favorites in the AFC. As most of us Broncos will attest, John Elway has historically been pretty solid with his mid-range free agency pickups, having scored a number of times with guys like Demarcus Ware and Emmanuel Sanders, Ronald Leary, Darian Stewart, and Jared Veltier. But why was 2013 such a landmark year for Elway? And of course, I won't get much resistance when I say that the reason was simply Peyton Manning. And yes, absolutely, players like Luis Vasquez and in 2014, Demarcus Ware were attracted to Denver because they knew the Broncos were in a contention window and were Super Bowl favorites. And yes, a guy like Wes Welker was probably attracted because he knew that Peyton could make him a better slot receiver if he could suffer Peyton's quirky you know, obsessive compulsive personality. But but I would submit to you that Peyton Manning, the Peyton Manning factor went well beyond just the chance to win a ring or a chance to say you've played with an all-time great. It was more simply about being part of something great, something historic, something that reeked of a certain beautiful harmony that most of us probably couldn't even put into words. It's cultural, it's competitive, but but in a certain way it even borders on the spiritual. Now, now, to explain what I mean in, in this, these cultural terms, I want to move across town to Coors Field for a few minutes and talk about the big news there, of course, which is Nolan Arenado signed with the Rockies for eight years and $260 million, the largest aver, you know, annual average salary for any position player ever. 
As a Rockies fan, I can't begin to tell you how excited I am about this deal. Not only because it keeps the Rockies likely first ever homegrown Hall of Famer in Colorado, sorry Todd Helton, for, for most of his career, but also because it was a deal that worked extremely well for both Arenado and the Rockies. It was a true win-win. But when I, what I think people don't appreciate about this Nolan Arenado contract is that the players involved, most pre predominantly Dick Monfort, Jeff Breidich, and of course Arenado, they're human beings with human flaws, and there's so much that has to go right in order to make a deal like this happen, for, for especially for a small mid-market team like the Rockies. And so what I wanted to do was instead of talking about everything that had to go right for this deal to happen, I wanted to talk to, so, through some of the many, many things that can go wrong with a deal like this because I think there's a lot the teams like the Broncos can learn from. So, so first of all, let's talk about Dick Monfort. He really didn't have to make this deal. As an owner, he, he's there to make money. It's why he bought the team. And with the young talent stack that the Rockies team has in place, he had an opportunity for an amazing cash flow scheme. Just stop signing big contracts. Let, let the current ones run out. Trade Arenado for more young talent. Before Trevor Story is a free agent in 2021 and Kyle Freeland in 2022, trade them for more talent. Keep cycling that young talent through Colorado. Pay them next to nothing, especially during their pre-arbitration years. And you'd probably still have enough talent on the field to hover around 500 and play your meaningful games in September, which also means you're going to generally keep course field fairly full. It could have been a huge moneymaker for Monford. But no, any past discretions aside, Monford decided he wanted to win more than he wanted to simply make money. That $30 million per year plus is going to hurt him financially. Make no mistake about it. It says a lot that he was willing to part with it. Now, second, though to make this Arenado deal happen, Dick Monfort needed to create a Rockies culture that players like Nolan Arenado wanted to be a part of. If you remember back to the old Gen R days with guys like Troy Tulowitzki and Brad Hopp and Garrett Atkins and Jeff Francis, the Rockies had put a high premium on bringing in nice guys, Christian-oriented guys. It sounded great on paper. Who doesn't want peace and harmony in the locker room? The problem with that approach, though, was that when the team struggled, they didn't have that guy who was willing to take a baseball bat to a water cooler and shake out guys from their slumps. So outside of a miracle run in 2007 and a quick playoff appearance in 2009, that team never amounted to much, and the whole nice guy movement was pretty well deemed a failure. So here Doug Monfort had a plan, he, he had a vision, he carried it out, and it didn't work. Okay, so third, so, so often in the sports world, just like the business world, you'll see owners create toxic cultures that are the exact opposite uh, extreme from, from the nice guy movement in exactly the opposite way. They, they create cultures that are dominated by the fear of failure where GMs and coaches typically behave as if they're one big mistake from getting fired, where key, and oftentimes they are, where key people in lower positions like scouting directors and line coaches see issues that need to be addressed but never succeed in addressing them because the leaders higher up the chain don't want to hear bad news. Or, or you look at a team like the Dallas Cowboys who got held back or get held back and probably don't achieve the success they should on the field because they have an owner, Jerry Jones, who is more interested in being the center of attention than he is in truly being a winner. Now, I'm a big believer that if Dick Monfort were a Jerry Jones, me first owner who makes himself bigger than the team, I honestly don't think Arenado signs this contract. I think he goes looking for greener pasture in a play like, place like New York or Atlanta. Ultimately, it's on the owner to architect a culture that has the proper harmonics of, of intensity and fun commitment to winning, but one that's sustainable over an entire season. A locker room with the right mix of leaders and followers, hotheads and peacemakers. If you want to understand why NFL teams like the Lions, the Browns, the Bengals, and the Raiders, at least the Raiders the last 30 years, can't sustain any success, I believe it ultimately comes down to problems at the ownership level. So be it a manipulative billionaire like the Chargers' Dean Spanos, or the Redskins' monumentally incompetent tyrant Dan Snyder, or a, the criminally stupid owners like, like the Browns' Jimmy Haslam. There are so many ways for an owner to foul up his organization, it's not even funny. Okay, now, now back to Nolan Arenado. The next guy who had to make this deal happen was Jeff Breidich, the general manager. 
Now, the general manager is not the guy actually cutting the checks. That, that's the owner. But the GM is responsible for taking the overall vision of the owner, assuming he has one, and making it actually happen on the field. And we typically see the GMs when they're signing these big contracts like Arenado's. But, but he is usually a guy who, who's overseeing a baseball team's minor league system. Finding, you know, In the NFL, he's finalizing the team's draft board. He's hiring and firing coaches, pulling the trigger on draft day trades and draft picks, and seeing to it that the owner's vision is not only carried out, but carried out successfully. It's a monumentally difficult task. So Jeff Breidich could have done anything, num- any number of things wrong over his four and a half years as Rockies GM to effectively kill this Arenado tra- deal. There's the obvious stuff, of course, like squandering the owner's money on bad free agents or neglecting the farm system and putting a lousy, you know, product on the field. Or or he could have just been a, you know, crappy talent evaluator like a Dan O'Dowd. But it can also cause more damage to a clubhouse by disrespecting his players, by offering insulting contracts or being, you know, or bringing in veterans who nobody likes or by even trading away a catcher, for example, who doesn't hit much, but has a special relationship with his pitchers. The, the locker room chemistry is, is so easy to lose. When you hear about Aqib Tlaib, that he was the, the model teammate, um, passionate, outspoken, emotional when the team was winning, but absolutely impossible to live with when the Broncos were losing like they did in 2017. And a GM can foul up his talent base by cutting bait on players too early, like perhaps John Elway did with Danny Trevathan or Ty Sambrello. But he can also foul up by holding on to players too long, like he did arguably last year with Darian Stewart, or tried to do with you know in 2016 with Brock Osweiler. GMs have a million ways to fill out, foul up a team, and some are completely out of his control, like a bad run of major injuries. But, but given the responsibility they have for the team's overall success, it's no surprise that they get fired as often as they do. Now, let's look at Nolan Arenado himself and what could have gone wrong with him on his way to signing this huge contract. He's a smart kid. He, he knows full well that his contract, albeit, uh, albeit um, he, he's earned and deserved it, that, that $30 million plus a year he's going to pull down each year in a market as small as Denver is going to make it tough for Montfort and Breitich to field a winner. And no one wants to win. With his contract, he was honestly going to have a better chance of winning in a place like New York or Boston or Atlanta. Now, he could have very easily chosen to win in the big market rather than stay in Denver. He could have felt disrespected over the course of his previous years in Denver. He could have been convinced, as he seemed to be just a couple of years ago, that Monfort and Breitich weren't really committed to winning. He could have had a falling out with some of his teammates and just been done in in Denver. There are so many things that could have gone wrong. But if you watch the little makeshift press conference he had in Arizona, he actually broke down and started crying. For, For a major league athlete, it takes a ton of emotion to cause them to break down and cry in public. I typically read a lot into something like that when it happens. But what was fascinating and endearing to me was that he didn't break down and say, I'm making so much money, I'm going to be set for life. No, no, he didn't do that. He didn't break down and say, I love this team in this city so much. No, no, what he actually caused him to break down and cry was the fact that he had his press conference and his teammates all stopped what they were doing and went with him to it. That's what caused him to break down. And that was actually a pretty amazing testimony in quite a number of ways. It was a culmination of years of worth of franchise building for, for Dick Monfort and his team, as well as Nolan's hard, hard work. It's said that Dick Monfort has gotten it right in, in finally creating the culture he has so long wanted for the Rockies, and also that Dick Monfort is, at least at this point in his life, all about winning and doing right by his players. It's said that Jeff Breidich had, had successfully implemented Monfort, Monfort's vision and has assembled the type of clubhouse that Nolan Arenado wants to be a part of through the prime years of his career. And it says a ton about Nolan Arenado, the man. That, that he is not only ready to be the cornerstone of the Rockies franchise on the field, but that he loves his teammates and at least appears to be beloved by them. Guys, when the chips are down and it's the middle of July and it's 100 degrees out and you've lost seven games out of 10, it's those kinds of intangibles that make the difference between a team that pulls through and makes the playoff and one that flames out like so many Rockies teams have done in the past. So now, 
Let's bring this back to Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning was one of the extremely rare athletes in sports history. Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky, Babe Ruth are, are some other you know names that come to mind. And a very short list of athletes who basically established their own cultural microclimates, standards of excellence that raised the games of every player around them and produced championships. John Elway's close to this group, um, but, but not quite. He, he was more of a guy who had talent and willpower that were enough to carry some fairly untalented teams on his back and play in Super Bowls, at least until 1989 and 99, which were some pretty exceptionally talented teams. But Elway didn't elevate the players around him like Peyton Manning did. But that said, Peyton Manning was really a once-in-a-lifetime type of freak in that regard. You, you may honestly never see another player like him in our lifetimes. And if you do, you have to figure there's only about a 1 in 32 chance that he'll be a Denver Bronco. So, so to bring this all back around to the Broncos, as they prepare for free agency this year, they really need to be looking at it to figure out what they need to do to create that special spark, that winning culture, that environment that, that top players like Nolan Arenado want to be a part of, like Dick Monfort and Jeff Breidich have done with the Rockies. And like owner Stan Kroenke and GM Arturis Karnasovas and, and head coach Michael Malone have accomplished with the Nuggets. Broncos' ownership is still a mess, but, but at least they've gone to the trouble of keeping their mess out of the news of late. And of course, Elway himself, having built a Super Bowl team in 2013 and a Super Bowl champion in 2015 after taking over a train wreck of a team in 2010, is fully capable of hitting that harmonic locker room pitch. And I really believe that Vic Fangio is a guy who is going to evaluate but also attract talent, especially on defense, of course, based on some comments we've seen from some of his ex-players. But at the end of the day, what you're trying to establish is a sort of talent and character feedback loop where success breeds success. And it's not going to be as easy this time as it was back in 2013 when you had Peyton Manning as the center of your cultural micro microclimate. But I do believe that with this leadership team, of Elway, Fangio, Scangarello, Donatel, Munchak, Bill Collar, and, and others, I think you may just see that feedback loop start to take shape this week. I don't believe it's going to be in a way that's going to make you Super Bowl champions in 2019, uh, in all likelihood, but in a way that's going to make the Broncos a contender for a long time starting in, 2000, in 2020. Kevin, back to you. All right, I don't want to go too long as I've already kind of gotten to about an hour long here. I want to give Dave the the end note for our podcast today. Again, he's got an awesome story, a little bit of a personal story about he bet $10 million on a Kyle Orton-led team. So definitely check out Dave's uh, fan rant coming up after this short segment. Um, I really want to just finish and and again give my idea of what Elway and company are trying to do. Now, it's all kind of a guess, of course, but if you continue to look at the moves they've made, there seems to be one thing that is really abundantly clear, and that is that they are really trying to win right now. There is no seeming effort to to trade anybody or to get rid of contracts and rebuild. There's no real idea idea that they're going to you know put things off for the next few years it really looks like he is trying everything he can to win right now and that's obviously harder to do when you don't have a quarterback like Peyton Manning but hopefully Joe Flacco is is respected enough that maybe they can bring in a wide receiver like John Brown who's obviously played with Joe Flacco he would add a, a threat you know I think both in the slot and outside especially if Emmanuel Sanders isn't healthy by the start of the season even though he should be it sounds like um, I think if you look at it that way, I think the other things to me that the Broncos are really going to go after are in the draft and, and in free agency are a tight end, a, a good tight end, a starting caliber quality tight end and a very good middle linebacker. So a very good linebacker who can cover, you know, sideline to sideline and who can help cover the, the tight end and also obviously tackle, uh, running backs as well. Um, Aside from that, I, I do think there are potential possibilities that they trade up in the draft for a quarterback, which I think the only guy you would trade up for would the only guys possibly would be Haskins or Murray. I don't see Murray as a Bronco, just no way. I, I don't think that's 
I, I don't see any likelihood of that at all. I put it at like 0.01. Um, so Haskins is the only guy I see as a possibility that they trade up for. Uh, I think if if teams, I've heard teams are even more in love with Locke than they are with Haskins. I don't know if that's true. But if they are, then perhaps Haskins drops a couple spots and the Broncos, if they love him, they'll go get him. And obviously that changes the whole story. They probably cut Flacco at that point and go with, with um, Haskins or whichever quarterback they trade up for. Now, I think that's less likely than, the, than the, the idea that they go with Flacco and build around him to win now and in the next three years. Perhaps, again, there's the possibility they draft a guy in 2020, but again, there are always possibilities. Who knows? Maybe, as we said before, maybe it's Aaron Rodgers. You know, it, anything's possible in the NFL. Anything's possible with John Elway as our GM. For better or worse, that's what he is. And I still have faith in him. I still have trust in Elway. And I do believe that he and Fangio and the rest of this group are going to bring the Broncos back to prominence, if not this year, then in the next years to come. So that's all for me. I'm going to end again the show with Dave. Dave from Canada, Ontario, Canada. Broncos fan up in Canalia, as I would say. No offense, Dave. No offense to my Canadian fans. But Dave, wrap it up. Thanks for joining. And again, anyone who wants to do a fan rant, email me or tweet me. I love hearing from you guys. And let's hear from Dave right now. Hi, Kevin. 30-year-old from Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. I've been a Broncos fan for about 21 years. It started out as a 9-year-old playing NFL Game Day 97. The Broncos were the best team then in the game, so uh, that's how I started liking them, using them in game day. Uh, since then, I haven't missed a game in probably 15 years. been diehard ever since, traveled all over the States to go watch them. Uh, I'd just like to share with you maybe my thoughts on our offense strategy this offseason. And if we have time, I'll tell you a quick story about how the Broncos cost me $10 million when I was in Tennessee. So, <coughs> with Josh Rosen being available, uh, I know they're asking for a first out of Arizona. And our second is almost like a first. But I was thinking no one else offers anything up for him. Maybe we can get him for our third. And uh, moving them up in the later rounds, bringing Josh Rosen, sit under Joe Flacco for a year or two, kind of get himself ready for the NFL more and step up and be the first round selection like he was drafted to be. And then I've also heard rumors of Riley Ridley slipping into the second round. So if we could grab him second round, Josh Rosen third, <coughs> and then be able to move forward with Rosen and Lindsey and Freeman in the backfield. Sutton, Hamilton, and Ridley out wide. I think that gives us a really good outlook on offense for the next decade or so if we can maintain all those guys in our offense. I uh, was wondering what your thoughts on that would be. And as for the Broncos costing me all that money, so me and a couple of my buddies who are Titans fans drove 13 hours from Hamilton to Nashville to catch the Broncos and Titans game. It was in Kyle Orton's last year. Tim Tebow was the backup. So we had gone down, we were watching the game, and the night before, the Saturday night before, we went to a bar there, and we were telling everybody we drove 13 hours, blah, 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 to come watch the Broncos and Titans, and uh, I got in an argument with a guy on the street corner near the end of the night on our way home, stating that I was a Broncos fan, and he was just telling me the Titans were going to mop the floor with the Broncos, and were not that good, and I'd had a couple drinks, and of course I'm going to defend my beloved franchise, so... We were going back and forth, and he said, okay, well, bet me on the game. I said, okay, what would you like to bet? And he said, as much as you want. I said, I'm never going to see you again. This doesn't matter. And he goes, well, come on, just bet me. Just bet me. <clears throat> so being a competitive, intoxicated male, 
I agreed to his bet. And I was like, okay, bet me $100,000. And he's like, okay, we'll bet $100,000. I was like, you know what? Forget it. Let's bet $10 million. I'm never going to see you again. I don't care. And he's like, you're going to bet me $10 million. I said, yes. So we bet $10 million on the Broncos and Titans game. He said, give me your phone number. I'll call you after the game. I said, sure. I said, it's a Canadian number, so it's going to cost you extra to call me. But uh, I'll give it to you. So I gave him my real phone number. He said, I'm going to call you right now. I said, okay. He goes, make sure you have my number. He dialed my number, started calling it. And he said, is your phone ringing? My phone is back in the hotel. I have no idea whether it was ringing or not. I said, yeah, I can feel it in my pocket. He said, okay. So, anyways, uh, the next day, my friends and I get up, got some Gatorade to help with the hangover, and walked to Nissan Stadium, watched the game, and of course, our beloved Broncos lost that game, and, uh, well, I never got a phone call, so I still have my $10 million. I just had a long car ride home with two Titans fans that had just beat our beloved Broncos in Nashville. Anyways, I hope this is what you're looking for in a fan submission. Just quick stories. And uh, keep up the good work on the podcast, pal. Take care.